see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Ready for Close-Up. My name is Andy and I'm here again with Sam. Hi there, Andy. Sam, in our latest episode you made a shout out to film composer legend Ennio Morricone, who recently passed away on July 6th. So since then we've agreed that it would be worthwhile dedicating our next episode to music in movies, with a special focus on Maestro Morricone. We will talk generally about what types of film soundtracks there are and which ones we love the most. We will also have a look at how the relationship between music and film has changed throughout movie history. Morricone will then be our focus and we will try to define what makes him so unique and popular around the globe. We have selected a top 10 list, plus one honorable mention, of Morricone's best movie moments that we will listen to and discuss. Finally, we want to ask how can Morricone's music inform today's film scores and what's his legacy? But first of all, talking of music and film, Sam, to what extent do you pay attention to music and film and what kind of soundtracks do you love most? Maybe to say, first of all, my first love for film was almost immediately film music. So besides coming uh, James Bond and generally a movie geek, I always collected soundtracks, starting with Bond soundtracks, Star Wars, science fiction and horror, and then expanding it to all kinds of soundtrack albums and favorite composers. Personally, I'm definitely an orchestral score type of guy, even though my preferences for the type of orchestral sound vary widely. Among my absolute favorites are the collaboration between between Alfred Hitchcock and composer Bernard Herrmann, especially Vertigo, Psycho and Marnie. And everything else Herrmann did, basically. James Bond and John Barry are another couple of favorites, and almost all John Barry did outside of Bond. John Williams and Star Wars, his Indiana Jones, E.T., but increasingly also Italian and French composers of the 60s and 70s, like Nino Rota, Bino Donaggio, Michel Legrand, Philippe Sartre, to name just a few. I also love Jerry Goldsmith variety of scores and Argentinian composer Lalo Schifrin's groove for movies like Bullet or Dirty Harry. Interestingly, movies got me into history and soundtracks are slowly getting me into both jazz and classical music. For a movie, however, I still love the sound of a 50s, 60s or 70s orchestra most of all. And guess what my very first contact with film music was? It was Morricone's Once Upon a Time in the West on a cassette tape my grandfather had. So what's your favorite in film music, Andy? I would say I'm not such a great soundtrack fan, probably as you are, Sam. I'm more the middle-of-the-road song-slash-musical-score kind of guy. I love how films can create and further elevate scenes and movies through music, and especially certain themes or songs that can be very memorable cinematic experiences. And even though many would claim that cinema is a visual medium, I think only through music it really gets complete and it really turns into this very special experience. Personally, I love soundtracks or movies where directors use songs in a surprising way to underline a scene and therefore become memorable and touching. I think Tarantino is really great in this panache of styles and moods, but also Almodovar or Xavier Dolan, they have usually amazing soundtracks for their films with a mix of pop songs, classical music, opera songs, and very often these songs are then popularized by the films, so there is 
there's this beautiful synergy between movie, art and music. Of course, I loved the orchestral and very dramatic scores of the 40s and 50s who were very mood setting. And I grew up on all the John Williams blockbuster sound of Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So that's something that's very close to me as well. The last movie soundtrack I probably bought on record was from the Coen Brother movie Inside Llewellyn Davis, which has this beautiful 60s-inspired singer-songwriter score, which is very touching and I think works very well in the movie, but also works outside of the film. And that makes also a great movie soundtrack in my perspective. If we're looking back now at the history of film, how has the role of film music developed? Well, basically, there was never anything like a silent movie. Films were always accompanied, first of all, by live music at a theater before they could record music to it. I only recently learned that when I went to the excellent exhibition at Chaplin World in Vöve, Switzerland, that Chaplin had composed most of his own music and is really an underrated composer. So the first famous scores were then, in Hollywood, mostly European immigrant composers, and they were defining an orchestral Hollywood sound with leitmotifs and making household names of themselves like Eric Korngold, Max Steiner, Franz Waxman or Dimitri Tjomkin. The 40s and 50s then brought more experimental scores for film and TV, for instance by Bernard Herrmann, jazz scores by Albert Bernstein or sound experiments by, for example, Jerry Goldsmith. The 60s were then dominated by both pop and jazz composers who created a fresh sound and were also able to turn out a hit song every once in a while. John Barry, for instance, with Born Free or Goldfinger, Henry Mancini with The Pink Panther or Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany's. There was also Lalo Schifrin, the Argentinian composer of Mission Impossible or Bullet. Or Bert Bacharach, of course, the songwriter of Casino Royale, the 60s version, or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It was then John Williams who really redefined and retuned the orchestral scoring sound single-handedly almost in the 70s and created enormously successful blockbuster scores for Jaws, Star Wars and Indiana Jones among many others. Since the 70s, the synth of Giorgio Moroder, James Horner and Hans Zimmer and pop song scores took over again. And in the 80s with movie musicals like Grease or the dance frenzy of Footloose, Dirty Dancing and Flashdance. But the orchestral template, often generic today, has stayed around. Today the Zimmer sound is synonymous with science fiction and adventure epics. Horner infused Celtic cliché with Braveheart and Titanic. Their quirky and unique sounds of composed like Howard Shore for Lord of the Rings and Danny Elfman for almost all of Tim Burton's movies. But a lot sounds like past scores with Michael Giacchino becoming the best imitator of John Williams and Alexander Despla, Harry Gregson Williams, Rachel Portman, to name just a few others. In the meantime, world cinema has always offered interesting alternatives to US cinema. The jazzy breeze of the French Nouvelle Vague, the circus atmosphere of Nino Rota's Fellini scores, or the rocky horror of Italian Jolly or simply classical music kept in films for good, most notably in Stanley Kubrick's films. And of course, song scores and musicals always a factor for a movie's success, with Titanic probably the most successful combination of score and song in pop history. There are still really interesting voices in film music today. Hildur Guanadotir, for instance, creates a unique sound for TV shows like Chernobyl and movies like Joker. There are still great collaborations like director Pedro 
Almodovar and composer Alberto Iglesias. But I'm finding myself, I don't know how you feel, not really paying attention to scores these days. And I feel there is a lack of innovation and clear voices or too much of a mediocre imitation of what's been done before. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I think also, for example, just if you look at John Williams' blockbuster scores and these days, I think the Marvel movies, they have seldomly an important music score these days. Right. Now, but in all this, where does Ennio Morricone fit in? Ennio Morricone was simply the quintessential Italian film composer who reached 91 years of age, having scored over 500 movies between the 60s and 2016, besides large numbers of non-film works and albums. He has been enormously popular and significant, hailed a pop star and genius, resonating with millions of people globally, beloved like a classical composer in Italy and beyond. His western scores, Tarantino movies, Tornatore epics and classics like Cinema Paradiso, The Mission, The Untouchables just to name a few. The unique Morricone sound has become synonymous with soundtracks and has been a major influence on composers, filmmakers and audiences alike. His name and music are one of the only to be recognized even outside movie circles. His quirky lifestyle, scoring and conducting all his scores in Rome, hardly ever leaving his city for Hollywood, working with the same orchestra and soloists almost all of his life. A likable and modest man, beloved as a musical maestro. Personally, I've just recently looked more closely at Morricone's enormous output, having attended a concert conducted by him in Zurich in 2015 and starting to appreciate the many lesser-known titles as much as the famous classics. Only over the last year have I collected more and more Morricone, realizing how enormously productive, creative and influential he has been, stretching all the way from 60s Leone westerns to 2015's Tarantino, well, western, The Hateful Eight. So, in one phrase, the most famous, most productive composer of film music. What makes Morricone's music unique within film history, though? Well, as you said, there is clearly a distinctive Morricone sound, starting in his famous Western scores already, with weird whistles and howls, screaming and strange choirs interfering, and his favorite soprano, Edda dell'Orso, always singing wordless phrases. He uses unique instruments and creates soundscapes that can be quirky, and the next moment extremely moving and powerful. We can see that in his scores, especially for Leone's Westerns, they were composed before filming, so scenes were often shot to existing music on set. There's a couple of great YouTube videos showing the perfect coordination between Leona's camera and Morricone's music, for example. But even outside the Italian Western genre, Morricone has infused almost all genres with uniqueness. Italian thrillers, the infamous Gialli, for example, sleepy romance and mediocre erotic thrillers, gangster movies starring Alain Delon and Jean-Paul Belmondo, historical epics by Bernardo Bertolucci, and Giuseppe Tornatore, horror and science fiction from John Carpenter's The Thing to Brian De Palma's Mission to Mars, adventure and the most obscure flicks, very often Italian or French, but also revered in American genre cinema. He saved many of these movies by giving them a vibrant, fresh sound, unmistakably Morricone, but stayed 
individual at the same time and created great matches of films and music even for certified stinkers. One great example for me are Dario Argento's Gialli, so-called yellow thrillers or pulp fiction in English. Morricone came up with a suggestive and daring mix there of wordless eeriness, juicy hard rock sometimes and altogether weird instrumentation that creates truly offsetting soundtracks for these creepy midnight flicks. There are almost too many great examples to create a best of list and we haven't even touched on Tarantino's relationship with Morricone so ours is just a very subjective homage to an oeuvre you can almost not grasp. And in a recent book I bought, a film enthusiast achieved the impossible by collecting the soundtrack covers of all of Morricone's soundtracks. And it's a book of biblical proportions. It's over 500 different titles. So out of these 500 titles, we've actually attempted the impossible then. A top 10 Morricone music moment list. This wasn't easy as each soundtrack one discovers by Morricone doesn't only have a great main theme, but often features several of them. And the beauty of Morricone is often listening to the interaction between these themes and the different instrumentations over the entire film. And even though there are great best-of albums of Morricone, we can truly recommend listening to the original albums. Most of them are on YouTube in their entirety. So ours is a tasting menu, if you like, of 10 plus 1 times Morricone gave us an unforgettable score. Sam, shoot. All right then. Our number 11, our honorable mention, is one of the worst movies and worst sequels ever made. Harking back actually to our last episode, not quite a guilty pleasure, except for Morricone's innovative, crazy evocative, and in the end devastating score. The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, starred Linda Blair, again, having survived exorcism once, and now being hounded again by Nightmares, Richard Burton, Max von Sydow, and Louise Fletcher of Cuckoo's Nest Oscar fame in a disaster of a mess of a movie by John Boorman. But there's that ending with Linda Blair dizzily stepping out of a completely destroyed childhood home and a swarm of locusts plaguing her. And Morricone gave her such a theme of youthful sadness and liberation, it broke my teenage heart immediately. So here's Regan's theme from The Exorcist 2. Number 10 is an adventure film from 1977, clearly in the wake of Jaws and mixing it with Moby Dick vibes. Orca by Michael Anderson starred Richard Harris as a crusty seaman and Charlotte Rampling and the majestically moving Morricone soundtrack that builds up to emotional gravitas, making a mediocre whale movie a force of nature.
Number nine may sound a bit like it wasn't Morricone, but rather director John Carpenter composing. But The Thing from 1982, itself a remake from a 1950s classic, turned out to be one of the prime examples of Morricone's sense for atmosphere and for adopting his sound exactly to what the movie needs. Synth and suspense. Number 8 is probably Morricone's most beautiful tune, even though that's in very stiff competition with about a thousand competitors. It's from a lesser-known Romy Schneider film La Califa from 1970, and a with or without film is just one of the most stunning simple things composed for film. Number seven shows Morricone at his best when it comes to thriller music that is as quirky as Herman and as memorable as Williams. For the exciting Belmondo 70s cop action thriller Peur sur la Ville, Morricone composed this strange whistling and harmonica theme.
Number six is an example from the aforementioned Italian Gialli thrillers. This is the first of many, but also one of the most atmospheric ones. The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, from 1970. Dario Argento and Morricone's first of a so-called animal trilogy of thrillers surrounding birds, cats, flies and serial killers. This one uses some of Morricone's key ingredients, weird instrumentation and pop rhythms. Number five is certainly one of the most beloved non-Western scores by the Maestro, even though the movie again is not very good. But the beauty of Gabriel's oboe from Roland Joffe's The Mission is to die for. Morricone repeatedly showed that his proximity and understanding of his classical training allowed him to do something quasi-classical, and here he mixes it with ethnic sounds of tribes colonized by a Jesuit mission in South America. Number four is probably Morricone's most enduring score from the 1980s and a testimony to his productive relationship with Giuseppe Tornatore. In 1988, he scored Tornatore's Oscar-winning movie Cinema Paradiso, the ultimate tribute to movie theaters and an opportunity for Morricone to compose with his son Andrea Morricone. This is his main theme.
Number three has to be a Western. No one in Italy calls them spaghetti Westerns though, by the way. It was a tough selection, as they're all so good. The two on the list, however, are legendary. And I think both feature a myriad of themes throughout the score. This is the world famous howling main theme from Il Buono, Il Brutto e Il Cattivo. The good, the bad and the ugly from 1966. This is the stunning Edda del Orso finale, The Ecstasy of Gold, when Clint Eastwood, the good, Levan Cleave, the bad, and Eli Wallach, the ugly, hunt for gold on a cemetery. Morricone's resulting score is stunning. Number two is a bit of an outlier, but still after listening to the original soundtrack LP, it must be one of Morricone's most underratedly pretty scores for a big-scale Italian TV production of the life of Marco Polo. Here's the rousing and still intimate main theme, just one of many gorgeous moments in this score.
And number one, of course, has to be the ultimate Western epic that would never be as good or as famous without the music Morricone wrote for it. Claudia Cardinale stars as Jill, a prostitute, hoping to escape her sordid life with former McBain and his family in the West, but finding the entire family killed by Henry Fonda's Frank and his gang of bandits. Her lament is Jill's theme. But the stunner of the score is clearly the ultimately famous theme for the man with a harmonica, played by Charles Bronson, a mysterious stranger who turns out to be a former victim of Frank's cruelty and an avenging angel for both his brother and Jill's family. The duel to the death between harmonica and Frank is occasion for this majestic musical Morricone moment. So listening to all these Morricone sounds, we clearly can see how diverse and how amazing his oeuvre really is. What's the takeaway for you if you now look at this career? What should scores learn from Morricone today? Or do you think we will ever have another Morricone? Well, there never will be another Morricone like him. I think he was really the product of Italy of the post-war years and then made a name of himself with all his quirky biography 
and recording techniques and his contacts. So no, Morricone, they say, is like Mozart. There's nothing like him. But I think what composers can learn from Morricone is uniqueness of voice, that they experiment, that they use weird sounds and instruments and voices, and they create music from basically everything. And there were a few composers in the course of movie music history that could do that. And we've named Bernard Herrmann or Jerry Goldsmith. But I think Morricone did it most popularly. People love these sounds and they're so memorable if you think of the theme of the good, the bad and the ugly or once upon a time in the West. Those will be internally recognizable. And I think my wish for film music today would be that it would be more recognizable, really, to be more unique these days, because that's what we need for movies. Yes, absolutely. And I think we really learned a lot uh, today. So thank you for pouring your movie soundtrack knowledge over us. It has been very interesting. Thank you for listening and tune in next time when we are again ready for close up. Well, wait, wait, let's end this episode with one of the most enduringly popular songs written by Morricone for a movie on the fate of two convicted and sentenced to death Italian immigrants, Sacco and Vanzetti. That is again sung in the streets of the world whenever there are protests against police brutality or failures of the justice system. Here's to you by Joan Bass. And with this, here's to you, Maestro Morricone. Nicola and